Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Coming back here on WWL, this is Sports Talk. I'm Jeff Nowak alongside Charlie Long. We're going to go to the Oakland Heart Jewelers Talk and Text Line. Bring in Hunter Shelton, Kentucky reporter for Sports Illustrated. Going to give us some insight into what to expect from the Wildcats this weekend out in Baton Rouge and uh, Hunter are you up in Baton Rouge now how's it treating you so far it is high man <laughs> it is not this high in Lexington yet uh so adjusting to that but yeah we're down here I was actually here for the regular season series uh back in April so weather was much more enjoyable then besides the rain so uh hopefully we can duck that this weekend Gotcha. And, you know, y'all had a much more extended uh, regional experience last week than the than I almost said the Saints than LSU did. They won their regional in three games. Kentucky had to play five games and three elimination yeah. games at that. You know how how do you expect this team, this Kentucky team, to kind of bounce back from that? Because you have to imagine the rest disparity is going to play at least some kind of a factor in this super regional. Yeah, I think that's fair. I, I think. Playing in an elimination format like that, though, like Kentucky really feeds off of that energy. Like when they lost to Indiana that first game on Saturday, their main takeaway from that was that they get to play more baseball with each other. Like I really don't think there's any moment that is too big for this team. And, you know, whether Nick Mangione or any of the players want to admit this or not, I heard you all talking about it earlier. Like they're playing with house money, right? Like mm-hmm. what do they really have to lose? There's no reason not to, you know, go ball to the wall and, you know, fully lean into the small ball mentality and whatnot. So, you know, I think that's what you're going to see. I don't think, you know, as rowdy as Alex Boss is going to be, you know, they were there in April. I know a super regional atmosphere is going to be a little bit, you know, more raucous uh, than it was back then, but this is nothing they haven't seen before. You know, they're well aware that they're not the most talented team in the SEC, not even close, but they know what they do well and they do do that well. So um, I don't think you're going to see anything different and they're really going to, you know, savor this moment. Yeah, and you and you mentioned it there and this has been, a term that we've thrown around constantly regarding this Kentucky team. And, you know, it feels like it's weird because we've gotten to a point in baseball where, you know, small ball, the term small ball is actually rare to hear. Everyone's trying to hit home runs now. It's home runs or strikeouts in Major League Baseball. But this Kentucky team really kind of embraced a different style of play than you'll see it a lot in the SEC. Jay Johnson's talked about it. He's familiar with it out in out West when he was with Arizona and, you know, you just don't see it that much here, but so why don't, can you just kind of break down when we talk about small ball, what exactly is it that Kentucky has kind of embraced that they, that they look for to win games. That's not just, you know, home run, home run, home run. Yeah. The the word launch angle does not exist in the Kentucky (laughs) clubhouse. Like if you were to like go back in a time machine and go back to like, I don't know, the 1980s or something like that. And you were to turn on some videotape, 
you're going to see the bunts. You're going to see a lot of bunts. You're going to see, you know, a lot of fakes. Um, you know, stolen bases, trying to create havoc, create chaos. Chaos is the big word that uh, Mingion likes to throw around. So it's really forcing your opponent to make mistakes. And, you know, they're going to, that's what they're going to have to do against LSU because they're not going to be able to out talent guys like Paul Skeens and Dylan Cruz. They're well aware of that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's really just get them on, get them over, get them in. They're nickel and dime, ham and egg, whatever kind of term you want to use. They've just got to try and get a guy on first base, find a way, whether it be a sack bunt a ground out or a stolen base to get him to second, and then, you know, try and find another base hit or whatever to get him in. Um, and they've got to try and limit those big innings that killed them when they went to Baton Rouge earlier this year as well. You can't play small ball when you're down eight runs after three innings. Uh, so that's another big key for me as well is not necessarily starting fast, but just not getting, you know, put on the backside after the first few innings. Hunter, before I get into some of the questions I have about Kentucky's pitching staff, because I do have a few of those, I want to first ask about the mid-April series, and this will actually kind of, I guess, tie into my questions about the pitching staff. Obviously, there's been a lot of changes on the mound for Kentucky since then, but just mentality-wise, I mean, picking up a game at Alec Box and being really close to actually taking two or three with that game yeah. three, I mean, they lost seven to six in game three, as you know. Uh, the first game was a total blowout. It was a run rule victory for LSU. But then picking up game two, bouncing back immediately, and then almost taking game three, what's the kind of mentality of the team that they've already been to Alec Box, they know that they can win there, and they were actually really close to even taking the series? Yeah, and Mingionis touched on this a bunch in that he said, like, there was nothing he could have done to prepare his team for that first game and, you know, just how uh, rowdy that atmosphere was going to be. And it really showed because they also had to pitch off because that was their first Thursday, Friday, Saturday series of the season. So they throw an opener who gives up seven runs and two innings. They bring in, like, a low-leverage bullpen guy who gets kind of rocked. So, you know, it, it starts about as worse as it could have, right? Like, you can take the victory in that you did score some runs against Paul Skeens, albeit I don't think you saw the 100% version of Paul Skeens in that start. But then you come back game two and you score 13 runs. And obviously, you know, LSU's pitching being what it was at that point in the season, that's still something to celebrate. And then barring an interesting decision to intentionally walk Dylan Cruz, you bring in a lefty to face Tommy White, he hits him with the bases loaded. That serves as the game-winning run for that series. I mean, like, they're one or two decisions away from flying back from Baton Rouge with a series victory over what was then the number one team in the country. So, like, that kind of speaks for itself. And this team is not taking moral victories, but they're well aware of what they can do and what they can't do. And, like, this team genuinely thinks that they can beat LSU in Baton Rouge. Like, they, they lean into the cliches heavy, and, you know, they're not going to be surprised by whatever happens. So, Hunter, I mean, we've kind of really been previewing most of this matchup being – LSU's pitching versus the small ball offense of Kentucky, but I kind of want to shift it up a little bit. And what I feel like is a strength versus strength, so to speak, LSU leads the SEC in a lot of offensive categories, but Kentucky's pitching staff has been really, really strong this season with a 4.17 cumulative ERA, third in the SEC. That's that's really solid, but they've changed up since mid-April. I want to talk about the changes of the pitching rotation that they've had since then. Specifically, we'll start off with this guy, Travis Smith, the redshirt freshman that's kind of entered that Friday rotation like yeah. the first game one starter of a weekend series and he's kind of been just into that role uh, after starting out in the bullpen so I want to get your thoughts on him first yeah so Travis was actually the midweek uh, starter for pretty much the entirety of the season and he's a redshirt freshman hard throwing right-hander a guy that UK thinks has a very bright future and thinks he's going to be a big leaguer uh, in a few years and you know they once those midweeks were rounding out in the schedule 
they kind of had a spot open in the rotation with uh, Tyler Bosma, who had been posting every week, but really hadn't been able to get through like two rounds in uh, the batting order. So they made the decision to put Smith in there and his first start came against South Carolina at home and he goes six strong and he gets a win. And, you know, he's someone who they're really going to have to rely on. I'm expecting him to probably pitch game one tomorrow. I, I think how Kentucky tries to go about uh, their pitching rotation versus Paul Skeens and the rest of the LSU staff is really the million-dollar question for this series. But, um, you know, they're going to rely on Travis because, you know, he didn't pitch at Alex Box the first time around, so this is going to be a new environment for him. But uh, he's someone that they're going to have to get at least four or five innings out of if they're going to, you know, try and steal this series. And then another guy that actually did pitch at Alec Box, granted it was at, in a bullpen role for, I believe, only like an inning or so, was Austin Strickland, another guy that's been just into a starting rotation, like a starting role after being a bullpen guy for most of the season. Um, so, I mean, I, from what I've heard, Kentucky was just so impressed by his stuff and he just kept lighting it up week after week and then they just couldn't keep him out of the weekend rotation. Is that true? Yes, yeah. So Austin is a guy that UK has always thought has had starter-type stuff. It's just... Uh, as he put it, breaking like that three and two-thirds inning glass ceiling was a really big challenge for him. Um, so they kept him in the bullpen for the start of the season. And he was one of the high-leverage guys in that role. But, you know, uh, the spot opened up in the rotation to where they really felt like they could start to stretch him out because they knew they needed another guy or two who could provide some length um, on that staff. So they started to build him up to where he was throwing four and five innings. And then he has his first start of the season, the last uh, SEC series of the regular season versus Florida. He almost completes seven innings, and then he has this big start against West Virginia in an elimination game on uh, this past Sunday. And, you know, he's really morphed into arguably the second most reliable pitcher on this staff, I would say, entering this weekend. And then the third guy, another guy that LSU didn't see in that starting rotation. So basically, it's kind of incredible that I'm just kind of put this all out there. Kentucky's pitching rotation when they came into Alec Box in mid-April has completely changed. Like it, it's yeah. no longer what it was when back you know two months ago. It's the guys that we've talked about: Travis Smith, Austin Strickland, and then Zach Lee is that third guy, right? Yeah, and and Zach is who I would if you were going to put the ace title on anyone on the staff, it is him. Uh, he's been so so terrific over uh, these last few weeks of the season. I honestly couldn't even tell you exactly what it was that has clicked for him, but he has just found this way to go deep in the games. He's got this really nasty sweeping breaking ball that you know, pairs well with his fastball and a couple of other off-speed offerings. So he's just found that second level and, again, is another one of those guys that uh, Kentucky has relied on. And he had a really good start against Indiana in the Lexington Regional in that game that IU won. It was a fluke three-run home run from IU's nine-hole hitter that, you know, spoiled a a seven-inning start for him. And um, he is someone who, again, going back to how you pitch against Skeens, like if I was Kentucky – I wouldn't throw Zach Lee against Paul Skeens because your chances of beating him in the first place are so low. I wouldn't burn my ace in that situation. Um, if I'm Kentucky, presuming Skeens pitches tomorrow, I'm hoping to hear a thunderstorm as soon as he steps out <laughs> on the mound. But, you know, that it's a really uh, interesting question because, like, Kentucky doesn't have a, a Skeens type where they know that they're going to get six or seven innings out of somebody. It's kind of a crapshoot with most of these guys. So I guess then that's how I, I kind of lead into this next question with the starters and the starting rotation that we've just kind of laid out all three of those guys. Would you? And I think you already kind of alluded to this starting freshman Travis Smith in Game One, and then having potentially Zach Lee start Game Two, or would you do Strickland in Game Two and then Lee in Game a potential Game Three? 
Yeah, if you're if you're down one zero, I think you have to go Zach Lee for game two. I think he obviously gives you the best chance to win there. And then Mason Moore, who was really the star of the pitching staff for UK in Lexington this past weekend, he's a reliever who's been reliable but hadn't shown you know like standout stuff. Uh, the first game of the regional against Ball State, he pitches five perfect innings, doesn't give up a walk or hit. And then he comes in to finish out the uh, Indiana win to clinch to go to Supers with five more uh, scoreless innings. So, like, how they use him, are they going to try and get two games out of him this weekend and, you know, maybe two or three uh, inning limits? Or are they going to try and, you know, burn him in one game? They have a lot of questions that I don't think maybe even Mingione has the answer to yet. I'm sorry for for laughing earlier. It's just, you know, uh, just for for some for some background, Charlie, um, myself, Man. and Steve Geller drove up to uh, Alec Box Stadium. We're down in New Orleans, and uh, we sat there on Saturday for about five hours. We had a whole guy's trip played out, Hunter, go off in the distance, and we're like, oh, another half hour, oh, another half hour. Oh, it was like every hour. two minutes. It was so, so frustrating. We have, a, we have a little bit of thunderstorm PTSD, but. Um, you know, so so just kind of a just a generic question here. I want you to answer. Kind of fill in the blank. If this happens, Kentucky has a good chance to win the series. Can you just kind of come up with one or two or three things that, if this goes right, Kentucky has a much better chance to win? Okay, um, I go to if if Kentucky can hit left-handed pitching. Okay. I think that's sneakily the bigger storyline than how they do against Paul Skeens. I think you just kind of know what's going to happen there regardless of how much you prepare for it. But, um, you know, they don't have the exact uh, lefty-righty splits for UK's batters, but I know it is a lot, lot lower against some of these lefties that they faced this season. Um, going back to the beginning of the season, game one, they played a series out at Elon in North Carolina, and Elon had this freshman lefty who threw, I believe it was six scoreless all the way even to uh, the game that they won against IU to clinch to go to Supers, the guy that IU started through five one-hit innings, I I believe, to start. So, like, it's been an issue the entire year. They've had some moments where they've succeeded against some guys. And, you know, just matching up against LSU's lefties, I know guys like Ackenhausen and Herring, you know, they're not going to blow you away with their stuff, but they've gotten a lot better over these past few weeks, and Kentucky's going to have to try and match that. Um, I think if you can, you know, get to one or two of those guys, I believe the only lefties they faced when they were in Baton Rouge for the first uh, series was Riley Cooper and Herring. So, you know, they're going to see some new offerings, and it, it's really going to come down to how they do against those guys uh, rather than Paul Skeens, in my opinion. So you, you mentioned this is a this is a cliche team. I always enjoy the cliches. Is there any any that stand out? Uh, any mantras for this Kentucky team that uh, <laughs> they might end up hearing about on this weekend? I mean, if you like. If you ever listen to a Nick Mingian press conference, like it is just coach speak 101. <laughs> like if you were teaching a class on coach speak, they would play his videos. Like he he has this thing that he likes to throw out about like uh, a recipe calls for all of these certain ingredients and how each player is a specific ingredient. It's just a bunch <laughs> of that stuff. And like it kind of makes you want to throw up. But like I don't know if he's brainwashed these kids or not, but like they genuinely believe that stuff. Like, they, they are fully, fully bought in because, as uh, Hunter Gillum, Kentucky's first baseman, put it to me earlier this year, they're just a bunch of old guys who haven't really won anything before. And, like, winning is literally all they care about. And they say win for Kentucky a lot, you know, play for the, the name on your jersey, all that. Um, but, like, they are actually bought into that stuff. And, like, I think they know how it sounds and how cliche it sounds. But, like, that is really their mantra. 
So, Hunter, I already kind of asked you all the questions that I really could about about Kentucky's pitching staff. I'm going to kind of move towards something that, you know, with the small ball tactic that they utilize, something that they love to do, and that's stealing bases. After hitting 293 as a team, which is fourth in the SEC, they have 100 or 120 base stealing attempts, 91 successfully converted stolen bases. But the one that sticks out to me is that they have four players that have at least 17 steals this season. How big of a role is that going to be playing against LSU's pitching staff when you get on base, whether it be a walk, a single, or maybe even an error to get on base, of putting pressure on the base paths? How much kind of do they put behind that? Yeah, and I think, you know, going to a guy like Hayden Travinsky as well as playing as well as he is, you know, he's obviously going to be in tune and looking for that sort of stuff. So I think it really goes back to can Kentucky make sure that they are actually in this game in, you know, like the middle innings, like three through six, where they're not down six or seven runs. Because like I said, you know, you're not going to be trying to steal bases and, you know, get extra guys in a runner or, you know, sacrifice bunts or whatever when you're down six or, or uh, seven runs. So they have plenty of guys up and down the order. I mean, even Devin Burks, their catcher, has stolen a few bases over the past couple of weeks. So, like, there's only one or two guys that are going to be in the starting lineup that you can rest easy knowing that they're not going to try and swipe an extra bag. But, I mean, it's definitely going to be something to look out for. But obviously it starts with getting those guys on base. And, you know, I don't know how often they're going to do that against Skeens, uh, presuming he throws game one. Well, all right, Hunt, we've been talking with Hunter Shelton, Kentucky reporter for Sports Illustrated. You can check about Wildcats today on Fan Nation. A lot of great information there. I appreciate you taking the time. You know, I know you're rooting for a thunderstorm after about uh, six pitches tomorrow, but I'm just hoping for baseball. Yeah, I just want to see a game. <laughs> Me as well, guys. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, make sure to uh, enjoy the food and uh, stay cool up there in Baton Rouge's weekend. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks, Hunter. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or... I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app.